0: Well good morning and welcome, welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. It's my, my pleasure, my privilege to, to welcome you here this morning um, on my first morning preaching with you, um, hopefully not my last. Um, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's a real delight to be able to come together this morning. Sun is shining outside, uh, it is a new month, and this is another day that God has made for us to, to come and to worship Him. So whether you're you're joining us here in the building or online at home, um, a special welcome to you. Uh, If you're new here among us this morning, this morning is a a family service, which means your your children are welcome to stay with us throughout the duration and make noise. That's not a problem. Um, So long as they're not louder than I am, then that's okay. Um, But genuinely, it's it's great to have people of all ages in here this morning so that as as a family, we can worship our God and King. Um, but just before we, we, we sing, before we read, let's pray to God. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have made it, that you have, you have given us another day to worship you. Father, would you help us to, to recognize all of your goodness for us, and most of all, all of your goodness for us in Christ? We thank you that it is because of him that we stand together this morning as a church, as people from different backgrounds, with different experiences, but united together by the love of Christ for us. Father, would you help us to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Amen. So uh, a little bit later, we're going to be starting a, a new series in the book of Daniel. Um, Yes, so Lewis is going to come in a wee minute and he's going to to read all of Daniel chapter one for us, so thank you Lewis for being willing to do all of that for us, but he's not going to read it on his own, we're all going to read along with Lewis and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different reading, Um, the words will be the same but we're going to emphasize one word as we read through it, and I hope it'll become obvious in a little while why we're going to do that. You might feel a little bit silly, but every time the word king comes up, we are going to say king, our kings, um, and if you want to, we can do a, a crown action. So maybe we should stand for the reading of the word, and Lewis, if you would come up and, and read Daniel chapter one, he's going to be
1: reading from the ESV for us. Uh, Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king King. of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king King. of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus.
0: Thank you, Lewis. And you can all sit down. So this morning, we are looking at Daniel chapter 1 that Lewis just expertly read for us, and I'm glad he was reading those names and not me, Um, so thank you. But I wonder, did anybody happen to keep count of just how many times the word king appeared in our reading today? Uh, Anybody hazard a guess? Pretty close, pretty close, 17 times in just 21 verses, and that is quite a lot, and I think it gives us a clue about what is at the heart of this chapter, of this story. This passage is all about kings, isn't it? It's about which king we are going to fear or worship. Who is our true king? And how are we going to stand before him? We see three kings named in the passage. One is kicked off his throne at the very start of the chapter and isn't mentioned again. This is King Jehoiakim, and we'll just call him King of Israel from now on for simplicity. Um, Another king, King Nebuchadnezzar of the wicked and powerful Babylonian empire takes his place. And at the end, there is a third king briefly mentioned, King Cyrus, who will take the place of the Babylonian king. Three kings in one chapter might be enough to to make us think that kings and kingdoms are important in this story. And, And they are not just in this chapter, but in all of the book of Daniel. But there is a fourth king who is not named and isn't seen except for in his actions. He is the one that this chapter and that this book is all about. God, the one true king who sits behind and above this story of kings and kingdoms. He is the real king here. And if we look carefully, we will see God the king at work in every line of this story. So now let's walk through the the story of Daniel chapter one together. Uh, We've got a a little bit of an outline. Um, We can break this story into three parts. Part one, captured by the cruel king in verses one to seven. Here we see Daniel and his friends facing enormous pressure to forget who they are, who their God is, and who the true king is. And then in part two, we see Daniel favored by the true king, verses eight to 16. Here we see Daniel choose to stand firm on God's promises, and God protects him with his promise-keeping, unbreaking love. And then finally, we have part three, where he is made to stand before the king in verses 17 to 21. And in this final part, we see Daniel standing in the presence of the cruel king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he is made to stand by God, the one true king. So part one, captured by a cruel king. At the start of chapter one, it really couldn't get much worse for Daniel and for God's people. The king of Israel loses power. He did not love or follow God. He sinned, and all the people followed the king in his sin. God had warned his people that if they continued to forget him, ignore him, and not recognize God as their true king, then there would be big trouble ahead. If God's people did not stop sinning and recognize that he was the true king, he would send a foreign nation to take them away. God's people, though, ignored him. And then God did exactly what he said he would. God gave the king of Israel and all of God's people into the hands of a cruel king. God allowed his people to be captured by this cruel king, Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar certainly did not love God. He was in love with himself. And he wanted everybody to, to love him just as much as he loved himself. See, he, he thought that he was the best king and was the greatest king that there was and ever would be. We see later in the book of Daniel that he actually has a, a massive statue built of himself that everybody was to bow down to. And he also had a, a massive fire, a massive furnace built for people who would not bow down to him. They would be thrown in there. King Nebuchadnezzar, the cruel king, had captured God's people. And he planned to rule over Israel. One of the ways that the Babylonians took over nations was to make them forget who they were, where they came from, who their God was, and who their true king was. So Nebuchadnezzar threw the king of Israel off his throne. He stole precious items from the temple and put them into the temple for his own false gods, and he captured people, the best and brightest people, to force them to become his servants. After three years training, they would, be, they would come and stand before the king. If they met his standard, they would stand and serve. And if they would not meet his standard, they would fall. And it would end very badly for them indeed. We see that among the people who were captured, Daniel and his three friends were there they would have just been teenagers at the time, and they were taken away from their homes, away from their families and friends, and forced to live in a foreign land. It tells us that they were handsome, strong, well-educated, and clever people. They were chosen because King Nebuchadnezzar wanted clever, strong people to serve him and not God. He wanted to make the nation he was conquering forget who they were who their god was and who their true king was so he would squeeze them into his mold make them fit into his kingdom and he would put them under huge pressure to sound like babylonians to eat like babylonians to look like babylonians to worship and serve him like model babylonian citizens and if they didn't they would die What would Daniel do when faced with such enormous pressure? Would he forget who he was, one of God's people? Would he forget that God was God? Would he forget that God was the one true king and serve King Nebuchadnezzar instead? Did he really have any choice? You know, we might not face the same pressure as Daniel did, but we do live in a world that wants us to forget about who we are. We are people made in God's image. We live in a world, though, that wants us to forget that God even exists. The world we live in certainly doesn't want us to take God seriously enough to call him our king. Whether we're at school, watching TV, or online, we get messages again and again and again that try to squeeze us into a mold that would just bend us out of shape, make us forget who we are and who God is. There's a verse in in the Bible in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that speaks against this. It speaks to us as Christians. And one of the translations says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. And what does this look like? Well, I have, I've got two boys and they like to play with Play-Doh. And so I've been playing with their Play-Doh this morning. I'm not quite as, as good at it as they are. Um, but I have made uh, a man. This is my, my Play Doh man. And, and this is the best I could do for a mould. But this is not the shape of a man. And, and we see, you know, if we put this man into this mould, what's going to happen? Well, he just gets bent out of shape. He takes the shape of the mould around him. And, and when he comes out, well, He really doesn't look anything like what he's supposed to look like. But, you know, the good thing about Plato is that it can be remolded. If I had time and enough skill, which I don't, um, we could remake this man. We could make him the shape that he ought to be again. You know, the truth is that all of us are bent out of shape. We have all taken on the shape of the world around us. And the Bible calls this sin. Sin. But God is a master craftsman. He made us. And if we allow him, he can take our bent-out-of-shape lives, our bent-out-of-shape hearts, and remold them so that they look the way that they are supposed to. But we have a choice. We must choose to allow God to mold us according to his good design. Here, Daniel is under pressure to conform. He has a choice to make. He can do nothing and be squeezed into Nebuchadnezzar's out of shape mold. Or he can stand up, resist, and refuse to do that. So, what will he do? Well, this takes us to part two of the story. Part two in verses eight to 16, where, where Daniel is favored by the true king. In this section, Daniel is faced with a choice. He has a dangerous food choice to make. Now, I wonder if any of you have been foraging for mushrooms before. This is a pretty dangerous food choice. Uh, certainly for me, because I know nothing about foraging for mushrooms. Uh, some mushrooms are perfectly safe and tasty, and others will kill you dead. Um, I wonder, let's let's have a test here. We'll put a slide on the screen. Um, We'll see how we can do. So we have three mushrooms. They're not all good for you. Who who is going to choose to eat number one? Okay, some hands. Anybody going for number two? Okay, some. Anybody going for number three? Okay. Well, I've got bad news for some of you. Those who chose number two... You're not gonna see your lunch today. Uh, this, is, this is called the destroying angel mushroom, apparently. So um, you, you don't want to touch that. If you if you find that out in your garden, steer clear. Um, but there's a disclaimer: I know nothing about mushrooms, so if you eat any of these, you, you could end up in a bad way. Um, so don't find don't eat anything you find in your garden is the rule. Um, but in a sense, the pressure that Daniel was under to fit into King Nebuchadnezzar's mould is captured in the story of his choice of food. The king assigned special food for Daniel to eat. Daniel knew, though, that he shouldn't eat it. It wasn't because the food was poisonous. I don't even think the food itself necessarily was forbidden by God. But the food, and and the food itself wasn't really the problem. But what he ate would show who he was trusting to look after him. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to feel that he was dependent on him. Daniel could not be in the position that he depended on King Nebuchadnezzar more than he depended on God as king. So even though Daniel wasn't faced with the choice of picking an edible mushroom from a poisonous one, the food choice he faced is equally deadly. If Daniel chose to eat the food from the king's table, it could have deadly consequences for his relationship with God. It would be like saying he didn't trust God as his king. But if he chooses not to eat what King Nebuchadnezzar serves up for him to eat, that would very likely make King Nebuchadnezzar mad. And a mad King Nebuchadnezzar liked to throw people into furnaces. So this is not an easy choice for Daniel. But Daniel, despite the pressure he was under, did not lose sight of the fact that God was still God. He was still the one true good king, even here and even now. Daniel trusted God and decided to follow him. But how did Daniel know that God was in control, that he was still king? It surely wasn't because of what he could see around him. I doubt it was because of what he felt. It was because he knew who God was from his word, He knew what God had promised and specifically later on we see the book of Jeremiah cropping up and Daniel's knowledge of God's promises in that. And this is the way that we too can know that God is with us and he is for us and loves us and is in control. We can read in the Bible that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we can read that this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Whatever difficulties we face, we can read these things. We can know they are true. And we can remember that whatever is happening, God is the one true good king that we can trust completely. When Daniel makes a stand and refuses to eat the meat and drink from the king's table and decides to eat vegetables instead it could go very badly for him but it doesn't because of what we read in verse 9 here it says that god gave daniel favor and compassion god gave daniel his promise keeping never breaking love god protected daniel from harm This doesn't mean that life is easy for Daniel and all his problems go away, but it does mean that Daniel is given strength to stand up for God in a really, really difficult place. And this is just like we've been reading in Acts again, isn't it? This is what the Holy Spirit does for us today. When we rely on God and when we are filled with his Holy Spirit, we are given strength to stand for God. Even in really, really difficult places. Daniel and his friends are given favor by God. They are allowed to test the Daniel vegetarian diet for 10 days and compare it to the king's luxury diet. And guess what? The Daniel diet wins. Daniel's diet looked foolish and weak to the king's servant because this is really not the result that he was expecting. But what looked like a foolish and weak thing to do, God honored. Daniel and his friends were stronger, bigger, and healthier than those eating the king's diet. This is is very much what it looks like to be a Christian today. As Christians, we depend on what God says. This is our diet. This is a diet that the world thinks is weak and foolish. The world tells us not to believe this stuff about God being king, about us being sinners and in need of forgiveness. They tell us that if we think like that we will be fools, we'll be weak, we'll be sick. The world world tells us instead to to build ourselves up, eat the rich food from self-help, social media, politicians. But we know that God's word is true food. And we know that although the message of Christianity might seem weak And foolish it is in fact wisdom and strength it is what we must eat in order to live so at the start at the start of this chapter we saw Daniel and his friends they were taken by the cruel king Nebuchadnezzar they were captured and put in a type of training camp so that they could eventually stand before the king and if they passed the test they would stand and serve if they failed the test they would likely never stand again now, the end of the three years had come. The day of testing by the king was here. Can you imagine how frightened they must have been? I wonder if you've ever had to sit a test. It can be a scary, scary thing. In some tests, like a driving test, just one mistake can be enough to make you fail. But the good thing about a driving test is you can always resit it. Um, And I know some people who have done that multiple times. This, though, this test would have no resets. Um, It was pass or fail. Pass and they would stand and fail. And that was it. So the king brought the men in to be examined. He tested them on their language skills, on their, their knowledge of Babylonian writing and culture. He tested their understanding and wisdom to make decisions. The men were made to stand before the king, and the king found Daniel and his friends to be top of the class, A++ students. There was no one more capable in the whole kingdom of Babylon. They were allowed to stand before the king and to serve in his palace. But how were they able to stand? Yes, it was their skill and wisdom and understanding, but it wasn't wisdom and skill and understanding from them, God gave them the skill and understanding. It was from God, not from them. We see that in verse 17. And and remember, in verse 9, God gave them favor. He gave them his promise-keeping, never-breaking love to keep them protected and make them able to stand. Not only was God the one who made them able to stand he had actually brought them to this place where they had to choose to stand for him. We see right back in verse two that God had brought them into this foreign land. And the reason for all of this was so that they might recognize that he is the one true king, the one who is able to make them stand. Daniel and God's people were captured by a cruel king because of their sin. But God, the one true king, never left them, and he would not let Daniel forget him. So Daniel, in exile, received God's grace, his promise keeping, never breaking love for him. And in the end, Daniel was made to stand, was made able to stand before the king because of what God, his true king, did for him. This is the shape of the gospel that comes to us today from Jesus Christ. The gospel message is that we are sinners. We reject God's good, kingly rule, and we end up far from where we should be, bent out of shape, with hearts that are squeezed into the world's mold, captured by our own sinful nature that would take us away from our true king forever. But there is hope. God, in his mercy, has not abandoned us. He has provided a way back home to him, a way to stand safely in his presence again. The Bible shows us that God keeps his promises to provide a rescuer for us. He sent Jesus, the King, to become a man and come to our place of exile. He lived a perfect life here on earth, then died the death that we deserved to die. He came back to life and defeated sin and death for us. Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion and sin to restore us to God's kingdom and make us fit to stand before the King. We can stand before the one true King, not because we have earned it, not because we are good, but because Jesus is good and he makes us able to stand when we recognize that he is the one true king, and we trust in him alone. So this is the, the message of Daniel chapter one for us this morning. I wonder if you know God in this way. Do you know him as your one true king? I pray that you do. If you don't, or if you want to to talk some more about it, I would love to. Um, I'll be available after the service in this corner here if you want to come and have a chat or to pray with me. um, That would be be wonderful. Our Father God, we we thank you that you are indeed the King, the King who is on his throne this morning. You are the King who is truly good. You care for us. And Father, would you help us to, to know that as we, go out into the world this week, that you go with us, that you are the God who cares and provides and protects. Lord, would you help us to know the great salvation that you have won for us through Christ Jesus? And would you, pray, uh, would you give us confidence in all that he has done for us this week? We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.